Do you like the band Kiss? Do you like Star Wars? Do you like A Hard Day's Night starring the Beatles? We'll put them all together and you get something that's none of those things except maybe Kiss because they look the same. It's Kiss Meets the Phantom of the Park. Next. Welcome to the Magnificently Huge Podcast with your hosts, Eric Reed, Brian Kruger, and Chris Ryerson. Three idiots who decided to slap an adverb together with an adjective to bring you one magnificently huge discussion each week about the movies and pop culture we kind of like, maybe even secretly love, before we ultimately crab all over them. We're not here to save the world, we're just here to make it weirder, one podcast at a time. This is Magnificently Huge. Oh, hey there, listener. Welcome. It's episode 84 of the Magnificently Huge Podcast. This is Chris. This week, along with Eric and Brian, uh, we're doing a shallow dive into the cult movie classic made for TV from 1978, starring the band Kiss at the height of their popularity. Uh, Somebody thought it'd be a good idea for them to make a thing called Kiss Meets the Phantom of the Park, uh, wherein they're weird, otherworldly superheroes imbued with superpowers and they somehow solve a, a victimless crime or something and then there are robots and a mad scientist and it doesn't make any sense uh we're thoroughly confused by it uh two-thirds of us were actually entertained but one-third of us really was not amused at all and that's where the fun begins so if you haven't seen kiss meets the phantom of the park oh by all means do so give yourself a treat uh if you have seen it well then uh, let all of our thoughts wash over you, because presumably you think it's a big bag of crazy as well. Uh, bottom line, we enjoyed it for the most part, kinda. It's just bonkers. It's nuts. It's crazy. And, uh, well, you'll hear. We have lots to talk about. But if you like the show, want to give us your thoughts, comments, feedback, whatever, email us at magnificentlyhuge at gmail.com. Uh, you can also head over to our Twitter page. Uh, at MagHuge, you can find us on Facebook and Instagram as well. Uh, we invite you to like our pages, follow along, share with your friends and family. And then you can find our podcast anywhere podcasts are sold, purveyed, given, streamed. Uh, well, you know where to find it because you're listening to it right now. And then lastly, head on over to our website, MagHuge.com, where we've got links and show notes and other fun stuff, contact information, all of that. So we invite you to uh, play along at home. Please share us with your friends and family. Just give us a thumbs up. Let us know you're out there. Uh, we love hearing from people. Uh, we also uh, implore you for your suggestions because we're bereft of ideas, as this episode is surely testament to. So without further ado, uh, Kiss meets the Phantom of the Park. And we're back! Rock and roll! Hey everybody, this is Peter Stanley, and I'm glad you could join us for this podcast. Hey Curly, how you doing? Uh, and this is Gene Simmons from Kiss. <laughs> I made <it> freely. <laughs> Roar. <laughs> Ack. So, Ack, yeah. That's Ace Freely. Ack. Ack. Yeah. So thanks for joining us for our very special presentation of Kiss Meets the Phantom of the Park of something or the other. Uh, yeah. So thanks for yeah. uh, indulging me in watching this thing first. And I am foremost. so glad uh, you suggested this. <laughs> I was I at first I was like Chris, I don't like you, and then I I sat down with it and I was like, this is so awesome. 
Yeah, we can get into it, but it's it's almost a work of sublime genius, almost. Uh, no, I, I still don't like Chris. <laughs> <laughs> See, well, there's I always one. It, I look at it as um, like a longer episode of the Banana Splits, but with worse music. Exactly. Well. So are, are we doing this show about that right now, or are we going to do anything else? I think we should do some Frosh Mared. What? Okay. You mean fresh? Yeah, I don't. I don't. I don't have. Thank you. I don't have a bumper for Frosh Merritt. <laughs> Damn it! <laughs> and you're not making any more goddamn bumpers. No. Well, I'm certainly not going to try to make one out of the words Frosh and Merritt. Yeah. I think I I could do fried <laughs> shrimp. This shrimp is fried. fried, 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 fried. You're going to end up watching like 10 hours of Francois Truffaut films trying to find somebody saying frosh merd or frosh or merd or plate or shrimp or plate of shrimp. shrimp. Suddenly somebody will say like plate or shrimp or plate of shrimp. Out of blue. No explanation. Crumb frosh. Le frosh is merd. All right, fine. It's the fresh shit. This shit is fresh. Oh, shit. It's fresh. This stuff is really fresh. There. Uh, did, did we all do stuff this week? Last week? We've had about, I did. We had about 10 days off, right? Something like that. Yeah. So we've, we've probably got a lot to cover. Uh, Not really. <laughs> all right. Well, then let's, let's have Brian go first because he's always got fun stuff that Eric and I don't have because we suck. All right, I got I got a few things. So, um, first one I've been I've been slowly watching this TBS show called Miracle Workers. Have you seen this? Is that the one with uh, Harry Potter? Yes. Okay. St- Steve Buscemi is God, and Daniel Radcliffe uh, is a timid angel uh, whose job it is to create miracles, and God is a dick. Um, that I think is God is a dick who he's insecure and he doesn't really care and he's kind of had it with people so he declares he's going to destroy the earth because he's just done with it and um, so the basic the basic plot here is Daniel Radcliffe's angel was in the business of doing miracles but by miracles he means like you know hey I found my car keys um, nothing nothing too flashy miracles hey. that make you say aww more like miracles that make you say, oh, okay, you know, like the wind kind of blows. Um, <laughs> but uh, there's this this young millennial chick who's who's like got a job in the miracle department on the day that God declares he's going to destroy the earth. And uh, she basically makes a bet with God that if they can get these two people to fall in love, that God will spare the earth. And And so it's about their... Their inadequate attempts to try and drive these these two hopeless uh, idiots together on Earth. Meanwhile, every little thing they try to do, every little thing they try to do to influence um, their behavior, ends up causing a catastrophe and killing thousands. <laughs> <laughs> the world weeps today in the wake of a massive oil spill just one mile from the cherished Galapagos Islands. The images of sea turtles caked in oil. Gasping for air will not soon leave my nightmares. <laughs> and the newscasters are just like, you know, 
you know, there is no God. There can't be a God because no, no God would behave this, you know, like that. So it's just, <laughs> it's, it's a trifle. Like how, how does it compare to say the good place, which would probably be the most obvious comparison? Oh, the good place is, is way better and has a higher budget. This is, okay. I, I mean, honestly, all the stuff with B- Steve Buscemi kind of falls flat for me. He, he's the least interesting part of the show. The, the bits where Daniel Radcliffe is like neurotic and and really out of his comfort zone are are where the show shines. Okay. So you'd recommend it? So, um, you could stream worse things. It's on Hulu. Okay. So it don't cost nothing. You know. That's true. Okay. It's fine. That's it's a show. Fair. Okay. Um, and then we're gonna have to talk about the Tim Burton Dumbo. Oh, you didn't. You did. I did. Oh, Brian! It was it was a couple weeks ago, and that was the only thing to go see. Okay. Uh. Uh. So necessary? Yeah. Not necessary. No. Yeah. Really not necessary. (laughs) Okay. I just thought I'd ask just to see. No. Okay. Um, I was also bummed that Michelle Pfeiffer, who had shown up in Dark Shadows didn't show up to complete the Batman Returns reunion because this movie has Danny DeVito and Michael Keaton in it. Nice. And uh, what about at one Max point... Shrek? Yeah, where's Christopher Walken? Well, that's just it. At one point, Alan Arkin shows up and Jolene turns to me and goes, is, is, that, is that Christopher Walken? You know, just looking really <laughs> old. And I'm like, no, it's Alan Arkin. <laughs> but So is Arkin the only one from Edward Scissorhands then? Or, um, or does he draw? Or does he have like his whole like acting uh, cabal happen in here? No. So there's no Helena Bonham Carter. Okay. Uh, she's apparently been replaced by Eva Green in all of these movies now. She's there. Well, they got divorced or something, right? So yeah. Okay. I don't know. Yeah. Um. And that's and uh, Colin Farrell is in it, and I don't think he was ever in a Tim Burton film before. So yeah, he. I mean, there's probably a bunch of bit players that I didn't realize were. He's the Tim he's Burton the new regulars, Johnny Depp. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> the new Johnny Colin Depp. Farrell. Uh, so yeah. have you have you seen anything until you've seen an elephant fly? Do they sing that song? Uh, they don't, and okay. they also don't go anywhere near the uh, the racist crows. Damn it! That's um, so 21st yeah. century. The racist crows. <laughs> they actually Come have on, some, some white flying like <laughs> pelicans or seagulls in a couple of shots, and I'm like, is that their nod for like, yeah, we're whitewashing this shit? Yeah, I don't know. Literally, um, good on you. But main reason I went was I wanted to see what is Tim Burton going to do with pink elephants on parade, and the answer is fucking nothing. <laughs> Pink okay. Elephants on Parade is in it in the sense that they have a circus act that blows big bubbles that look like the elephants from Pink Elephants on Parade, and it's totally dumb uh-huh. and not at all nightmarish and not at all trippy. And yeah, the whole really the whole live really, action version of Disney cartoons just seems like such a bad idea. Yeah, well, everybody's losing their mind over the Lion King trailer that just dropped, and I watched it. I'm like, I just I don't get it. I don't get Dumbo. I don't get that. I just don't. I mean, ugh. Dumbo isn't a isn't a very. I mean, as a as a piece of animation, Dumbo is is genius. But as a as just a story, it's kind of nothing. The the original. Yeah. Uh. So you know, it was it was ripe territory for a reimagining, and 
It's, I mean, I bet you there's kids that are going to see this movie and enjoy it, but it really left me cold, and boy, is Tim Burton out of gas. Yeah, it sort of had the Um, the flavor of, like, when Sam Raimi did that Wizard of Oz thing with James Franco. Yeah, yeah. That's sort of what it felt like. very that. (laughs) And uh, they do have one bit, so Michael Keaton is basically evil Walt Disney. Um, (laughs) So Walt Disney. And he's got... Or he's got his uh, his uh, fantasy land or imagination land or whatever they call it. Uh, no, dreamland. That's what it is. And so there's a there's a fun little callback. I can't remember if this was if if this was in the original, but uh, when when Dumbo is first given his name, he's introduced. He's got a you know like a baby bonnet on and a pacifier, and right. they're showing him off as a baby elephant and trying to hide his ears. And there's a sign that says "Dear Baby Jumbo." And then, um, the su- like, everything goes to hell, and he falls out of his baby carriage, and the D on deer falls over and is still a D, but is on the next row down. It says, Ear Baby Dumbo. Um, and and uh, at the end of the movie, there's a sign for Dreamland over the gates of the, the only thing Tim Burton seemed remotely interested in, which was building his, you know, his psychotic Disneyland. Um... And when it inevitably gets destroyed, the D falls off and it says Reamland. Um, <laughs> oh God, that's worth it. So worth it. No, it's not. Okay. Uh, Dumbo like, is two hours it's and like, it's about an it's hour like, and a half too long. It's like this Tim Burton killed and ate our Tim Burton. <laughs> what happened to that guy? <laughs> yeah, he, uh, he got hired by Disney. I mean, that's pretty much the bottom line. He started he at was, Disney. He was hired by Disney. Yeah, exactly. He started that, at Disney he and he started. hated it. And he went on to do his own thing and then came back to the fold. Yeah. Uh, same old story. Same I don't old know. Story. I think Tim Burton is just really over, which is sad. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, think we're, we're, I think we're in agreement there. We're, we're not pleased. But damn. And then I'm going to finish. I'm going to finish on a different note. Um. It turns out that Shazam is way better than the trailer. Hell yeah, it is. I saw that. Okay, let's do this. That was good. Did you see it, Eric? No. Guess and no. Okay. It's actually the first DC movie, and I don't remember how long I've watched, where I actually had fun while I watched it. You didn't like Dark Knight? I no, not really. Oh, I, oh we're talking a, like since they since the Man of Steel when they started to do their oh, Zack Snyder cinematic probably. universe horseshit. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. But uh, but yeah, even Dark Knight. I don't have fun watching it. I enjoy it, but it's not a fun ride to me. But Shazam was fun. Yeah, no, uh, way way above where the trailer led me to believe it was. I thought the trailer just made it look like dog shit. Yeah. We're like, fuck it, let's go, <laughs> and. So the first thing you notice about it is there is a there is a vibe that I would have gotten as a kid when you go to see a big movie. You know, you get it when you see Star Wars in the theater. You get it when you saw um, a lot of the Spielberg Amblin stuff in the 80s in the theater. This just sort of like you're at the blockbuster cinema movie vibe. And this movie nails that. Um it's got a real kind of Ghostbusters Goonie vibe to it. Yeah, yeah. I would say that it's uh, like Captain Marvel tried to do the 90s thing. Did it okay. But this one definitely is full-on 80s 
I mean, it's like if if they had the capability back then to make this movie, then we would have been watching it as kids. Yeah. And the thing that it does that that uh, especially makes me want to reference Ghostbusters is that it hits hard when it wants to. Like, if if they want to have a monster show up and be scary, they make a scary monster. Yeah. And they and they they go for it. They don't pull punches for the kiddies. If the bad guy is going to chuck somebody out the window of a building, you won't see it coming, and he will throw that motherfucker hard right out the building. That's a reverse spoiler, uh, just for anybody that's listening. But you're not going to know who he throws out. That's it, the, it, yeah. It's fine. What, <laughs> what amazes me is I didn't realize until the end of the movie that the wizard that imbues the kid with the Shazam powers is Jamon Hunsu. Yeah. I'm like, he doesn't because look anything he looks like... like he, he, yeah, what does he look like? Um, he looks like um, Jordan Peele, <laughs> like a, a weird like beard. I was gonna say I can't remember now the guy who played the wizard character in Rogue One and who hosted the the third Twilight Zone thing and uh, yeah, what's his damn name? Uh, I can't remember now. Hell if I know, but yeah, uh, Rogue One. Yeah, yeah, he was the rebel guy uh, with the mechanical foot or something oh forrest oh. whitaker okay forrest yeah forrest whitaker. <laughs> okay yeah i can see the that. man of a thousand accents at once yeah except in uh shazam his eye wasn't all like weird <laughs> cocked so you could tell it wasn't forrest whitaker yeah but but yeah that was like some shitty hair and makeup on jamon hansi yeah. right but anyway. well what i what i liked about it is they they started with the basically the villain's origin story and uh spent a lot of time fleshing that out so that when he actually yeah. shows up to do the bad deeds you understand his motivation and it's not just you know shoehorned in i thought they they did that really well so i was kind of in, intrigued by that aspect of it they actually took care to to make a compelling enough villain uh for all the shenanigans that were going on with yeah with the kid and and let's hear it from mark strong so he was um he was merlin in the kingsman movies um, you know the sort of the Q character in the Kingsman movies, but in this, uh, he's like this weird cross between Doctor Octopus and Lex Luthor. He's he's menacing, yeah. And of course, they give him the scarred eyeball thing because you know, <laughs> yeah. He pulled a Mads Mikkelsen evil like a scarred eyeball. <laughs> yeah, he pulled a Mads Mikkelsen. But uh, yeah, it's stri- the only the only sour note for me was that with Mark casting Mark Strong, uh, and some of the structure, it sort of brought me into his role in kick-ass because he was the heavy in that one as well so it had that flavor i missed that um yeah okay so there's some of that so shazam definitely owes a lot to some of the other more fun superhero flicks that we've had in the last 10 12 years i guess because you i saw some kick-ass in there and then there's like some spider-man etc so yeah they uh they towed a good line and it was fun i can't oversell that it was fun it was. It was a good time at the movies and a pleasant surprise. Go and, see it. Yeah. And uh, and Zachary Levi totally bought that he was a 14-year-old kid as a grown-up man. I'm just going to say that. <laughs> so, well done. Fair enough. Well, that was the end of mine and sounds like the beginning of your uh, fresh shit, Chris. Uh, that's the only thing I really saw this week. Uh, except I did All go... Right. I did go to Houston over the weekend. They had a 
exhibit at the Fine Arts Museum for Van Gogh, which was super cool. So I saw a bunch of Impressionist paintings by that crazy fucker. Uh, ah. So if you're in Houston through June, I highly recommend it. It's quite good. They uh, they basically chronicle his, his whole process. So you see a lot of like sketches and things that eventually become his uh, more well-known paintings. And then so they just it left give you it with a positive impression. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, yeah. Uh, the only thing that yeah, lend your ear, everyone. <laughs> the only thing that sucked was that we got there right when it opened because it's like noon and we had to get back on the road to get home uh, sometime that day. So everybody was there. I mean, it was just packed, and we had to like do this queue, windy line. And then they give you these little, like, radio receiver things so that you can listen uh-huh. to whatever they've actually taken the time to write on the, the wall next to the artwork. So instead of reading it, these people are all walking around like they've got cell phones, ignoring everybody else around them and just listening to the same thing that you're reading off the wall. And then they mm-hmm. have to refresh it by going into these points on the wall where it, like, bloop, and then it gives them the new thing. So you're trying to, you know, look at the artwork, and then they're just reaching across in front of you to do this, bloop, bloop, uh, and then listen. It's like, I'm going to punch every last one of you people. I swear to Christ. Just get out of my way. I'm trying to look at art here. Art! And so that was a, a kind of a souring experience overall. Uh, so really, I think it works in the favor of the the exhibit, because by the end, you've literally gone crazy, and you want to shoot yourself in the head. So it's the Van Gogh experience completed. Uh, but if you like art, yeah, go check it out in Houston until June something something. Art. It's not just art. a Garfunkel anymore. <laughs> yeah, I was waiting for it. Thank you, Harry. Uh, <laughs> what have you got, E? Not a whole lot, honestly. Uh, watching the new season of, uh, or possibly the last season of... Um, Santa Clarita diet, which I started I fell off my radar. Yeah, I'm about three episodes in. I, I yeah. just saw, I caught the first one so far of the third season. A lot of, lot of uh, actors from from other stuff I see in this show, and it's none of whose names I know. You know, it's like, yeah. oh, it's that guy who was the uh, um, who was Drew Barrymore's uh, uh, fiance in The Wedding Singer. Uh, oh, it's it's Linda Lavin from Alice. It's you know lots of I haven't seen her yet. Casting. Da, 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 da. Yeah, Captain Linda America Lavin. from Generation Kill. Interesting, uh, but yeah. So it's funny. It's still funny. Um, okay. They, the only, they recast the sever head. That bugs me. They recast it. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's, yeah, it's not Nathan Reason. Fillion. He's got a whole career. I was like. I yeah I didn't quite see them keeping him since now that his head is like all half rotten. <laughs> yeah, so that's that's now it's Alan Tudyk or however you pronounce his name oh, who was choice. on Firefly with Nathan Fillion. Yeah, so, but yeah. So does he do like a Nathan Fillion impression? I wonder. Not really. Interesting. No, he's just it's overly almost happy. like it's a different head. <laughs> well, he's the yeah. he's the naked guy from uh, Death at a Funeral. Yeah. God, I love that bit. <laughs> okay, yeah, so I'm only a few episodes in. What do we think of, of the new season of uh, Santa Clarita Diet? Uh, awesome as ever. They haven't lost their steam. Um, I'm still laughing. 
Um, oh, I'm laughing. Yeah, the yeah. the the husband remains my favorite. That guy is just the best. He, he's so good <laughs> at that sort of like, really? Or we could not, you know, that yeah. kind of yeah. thing. Well, and it's or, equally funny to me when he does that, mm. knowing him from things like Deadwood, where he plays just yeah. such a hard ass, and it's like a night and day sort of thing. <laughs> so it's it's funny to, to see him be able to, to play both equally. Well, I think that's more the real him. I mean, he's he's a goofball. Well, yeah. listening to him on Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend, it's like, he's just a hilarious dork. <laughs> but they also really get that uh, married life kind of reality, you know? It's, it, it's, just, it's a show about relationships just set in the world of eating people, right? Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 An extremely weird uh, uh, setup, I guess is the word that the kids use. Premise. Thank you. Yeah. Well, I'm mostly waiting to see how they work in more of the uh, the Mr. Ball legs thing, because that is the freakiest thing about the end of the second season. Something there. Yeah. So uh, waiting. Uh, Three episodes in, and I really hope they find a way to wrap up this arc about how one of the characters thinks that drew barrymore is talking to god directly because that that whole thing is just irritating uh, yeah I, yeah all i'll say is i had the same i had the same hopes and i really like this show so all right yeah. i will hope for that <laughs> uh the only other thing i've got to share it's not really so much of a media thing as it is a funny little story i have this one of those air freshener things you get from uh from 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 bath and body works you plug in and it makes you know sweet smelling mm-hmm. sense and i had one on my wall and it was chocolate i think hot chocolate i think was the thing i had in there anyway it was kind of leaking and i went oh no and i got rid of it and i changed it out and i looked down below where the plug is and i didn't see it you know i didn't see a a, a puddle of of stink anywhere so i figured i got off you know uh, scot-free hooray well i plugged in my microphone for this show and my god if it doesn't smell like uh uh, if chocolate could pee i mean it it got covered in this stuff and then i guess sort of sat out in the air and now it's just uh, a stinky stinky microphone i'm talking into it really does smell like if chocolate could pee, I don't think that's that's you know, <laughs> I could come up with a better description. Chocolate rain, <laughs> some stay dry and yeah. others feel the pain. Chocolate uh, rain. So that that's that's my fresh shit. Pee. Yeah. Microphone in and then think <laughs> about disgusting things that you could be smelling instead of this. Okay. Wow. I think we nailed this one, fellas. It's another fresh shit in the can. Ladies and gentlemen, tonight is our opening night of the KISS concerts. There's going to be a gigantic crowd, so come early and get yourself a good spot. Come and see on stage Peter, Ace, Gene, and Paul live on our stage. Come see Kiss Tonight. Kiss Tonight. Kiss Tonight. Kiss Tonight. Uh, so yeah, welcome to the program uh, where we talk about Kiss. 
meets the Phantom <laughs> of the Park meets whatever the oh fuck it is. God, I, uh, I, 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 all I'll say is this: this perfectly typifies this moment in culture. Yeah, right. Can we agree on that? It's like for better I, or for worse, 1978 was a shithole. Yeah. <laughs> well, so yeah, to uh, to set the scene, so it's 1978. Uh, it's October. Uh, Kiss has dominated for like six years ish, uh, and they are pretty much the biggest thing on the planet, uh, as far as I'm concerned. I remember being a kid, and they were just everywhere. Lunch boxes, records, com- blah blah blah. I mean, it was just inescapable. And occasionally, the radio. Yeah, and <laughs> and the one thing they had going for them was that stellar iconography because they've got the face paint, uh, and they're just unlike anything else that's out there. And oh yeah, triumph of character design. Yeah, and so they which are we master found will, will keep you going on the road well into your senior citizen years. <laughs> yeah. Apparently, yeah, you can well, put good the planning. Yeah, <laughs> well, you can put the makeup on and hide all the wrinkles. Uh, or, so and if you're Gene Simmons and you start getting chubby, you can put on like 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 football pads, yeah. metal football pads, <laughs> and go. No, no, it's part of my look. Yeah. So so basically, it's 1978. They've conquered all media, uh, and they had been touring and were tired and uh, were pretty much burnt out. So the management decided, hey, we need to move into film. So somehow they got. Uh, the guy from Hanna-Barbera, whatever, Hannah, uh, on board, <laughs> to produce this thing made for TV for NBC, some event with, movie. With the same sort of lavish budget you expect from a Hanna-Barbera production. <laughs> well, that's right? the thing. Like, it was like $2 you know, they, they really go for it in their animation, too, yeah. don't yeah. they? So, I, yeah. And it, it was, at the time, sold as... Uh, 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 the idea, as it was sold to them, was it will be uh, Star Wars meets A Hard Day's Night. Yeah. That was the, the through line of this, <laughs> yeah, this, which, ma- this opus. Take either of those elements and remove them, and you still have a bad idea that you want to copy. <laughs> I mean, it's no, it, just, does, it does still feel like something bad enough Richard Lester would have made it. Yeah. Ah, it's, yeah. So, yeah, so they decided to do this TV movie. $2 million was the budget, by the way, which, like, by today's money, that's like $8 million for just a TV movie. Wow. Yeah. Uh, but where, it's nowhere on the street. <laughs> yeah, there, when all the noses. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, I guess Ace Freely and Peter Chris were drunk for the entire duration because they were both dealing with substance abuse problems by then. Uh, so, yeah, the whole thing is plagued. But the, the general storyline is that there's a failing amusement park somewhere uh and they've hired kiss to come in and do a show to boost ticket sales uh and the park is run by a bean counter that's just interested in the bottom line but the creative guy that creates all of their animatronic crap and the rides and whatever is some sort of like fragile genius played by anthony zerby who was the bad guy in Omega Man, and he's done just a, a crap ton of bad guy roles from that era. Um, and he gets all the best lines in this movie. Yeah, he's, one yeah. Of the, yeah, he's the, the good guy counselor in the second and third Matrix movie. Yeah, he that guy. was a bad guy in a Star Trek film, I think Insurrection. Yeah, so he's been in just a crap ton of stuff. And so he is this... Uh, inventor of animatronic figures and he he spends like the 
the first part of the movie telling like biker kids and punks to stay off the the robots and whatnot, and uh, <laughs> complaining about all the money he doesn't get for his research and development. And so, at at some point, he's unceremoniously fired, and then decides to take his revenge out by creating evil replicas of Kiss to ruin the show and take down the park that fired him. Uh, Jesus Christ! Something. You know, as you explained this, all of this sounds exactly like the uh, the story of Ace Freely. <laughs> Torture genius! They don't respect me. I'm going to yeah. go off on my own and make Kiss replicas, yeah. like the Ace Freely Comet, Freely's Comet. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so and then- I, I just I just want to point this out though: the plot of the Kiss movie is that if Kiss would just sing the right heavy metal lyrics. Kids would do whatever they fucking tell them to, would lose their minds, and society would crumble because Kiss just needs to sing Rip and Destroy, and the kids are going to fucking rip and destroy because rock and roll will will ruin you. That's the the theme of the Kiss movie. Inside a riot, destroy the park. Blame it on us. Right. We've got to get out of here. Leave it to me, Star Child. I'll bend these beams with my mind. Yeah. See, I got the idea that uh, he, he sent them out with adjusted lyrics or whatever and created an animatronic band that only sounded slightly worse than Real Kiss. <laughs> yeah, but not as good as the band from Chuck E. Cheese. I'm just going to go on record with that. If that if you're gonna go for animatronic bands, that is your band. Or maybe and, the and why is it Kiss just sending an animatronic Kiss on the road right now? <laughs> they they could do that. Do you know they're they the, Yeah, for all we know, know they are. Not? Yeah, yeah. And I just because say, they're not like, playing five cities in the same night. <laughs> yeah, I know there are people who are listening to this who are honest to goodness Kiss fans, and so to all of you, I just tell you, you're wrong. You're wrong. Okay. You're just yeah. wrong. <laughs> well, I'm I'm so surprised that this did not scuttle their career because this was this was their acme uh, of the Kissdom, the Kiss Army, and all of that stuff. And this is like two years before they kick Peter Chris out of the band, and then like six years, five or six years before they take the makeup off and then do like the lick it up era. Uh, so it's you know they're kind of teetering on the 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 cliff before they kind of hit that downward slide. Uh, and I'm surprised this just wasn't the nail in the coffin because <laughs> it's just well, because they were so, doing so well. That's the yeah. thing is like when this happened, the two biggest things in the world were Star Wars and Kiss. Yeah. And I think they looked at this as like the only possible way to go up. And obviously yeah. it failed. But and it's funny how it failed because Kiss fans despised it, uh, but children loved it. But yeah. children don't buy records, so it didn't matter. <laughs> exactly. Well, and I like it's just basically a Scooby-Doo movie, uh, somehow, <laughs> but with Kiss music. Uh, and then there's the whole subplot with the, the the girl whose boyfriend works for the mad scientist, who then discovers his 
chicanery and then gets turned into some sort of human robot automatron and then she spends the whole time walking around calling like jeff where's jeff or whatever his name is and then like kiss shows up she's she's looking for someone but it's not kiss (laughs) (laughs) Uh, (laughs) you're looking for someone but it's not kiss (laughs) (laughs) so yeah so it's just it's just this insane yeah Hey, hey, Curly. Hi, Curly. So, it, yeah, the plot. I mean, it's that's the plot as it as I understand it. But it really, the plot is totally beside the point. The gist is that Kiss is a, a band of superheroes that are imbued with powers from some sort of talismans, and they can't even say talismans. Cosmic force field which protects our talismans. Pretty mystical. Without them, no powers. We're just ordinary human beings. Too bad everybody. Does. But they do. They just haven't realized it. <laughs> that are made of like gingerbread yeah, yeah, or something. Yeah. Talismans. And some talismans. I think it's interesting and- that, that that whole aspect of Kiss was taken from the comic books at the time. There was a Kiss yeah. comic book. And they yeah, you know, the only way to make them interesting for a comic book is to make them superheroes and but they sort of took it for granted people knew that, which makes you wonder how many people actually yeah. other than children would have known that. Yeah. Well, I'm watching it thinking to myself, you know, before this, when I watch a superhero movie, I just think, I'm sick of origin stories. Let's just do an end media res and just drop them in so that you can get on with it. But this yeah. this needed some sort of origin story as to how Kiss became these, like, superpowered no, no, beings. No, I disagree with you. <laughs> I disagree with you entirely. Okay. The, the, the idea that suddenly, for first of all, you spent the first half hour of the movie the kiss movie with zero kiss. Yeah, it's it's right? a yeah. it's a kissless half hour. Nothing it's, is it's happening weird. except for the intro where they make you listen to for the first time in like three times I want to rock and roll all night while they pose by theme yeah. park get up. <laughs> yeah. That would yeah. have to be a really confusing intro. Oh my gosh, what the hell are these? What movie am I watching? Oh, it yeah. doesn't matter. That must have been a bad dream. Yeah, not it here. starts with a music video, yeah. right? It's one of my favorite parts, but yeah. At, at 27 minutes and 30 seconds in, we still haven't seen Kiss after that, but what we do get are sound effects of roadies doing a sound check. Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> wow. And not even like video of roadies doing the sound check. It's just there in the audio track. Just yeah. there. You know. I, I had kind of the same note. It's basically, it's they start with the roller coaster and then they do the opening credits where they're singing rock and roll all night. And it's, you know, you're on board. You're like, yes, it's a Kiss movie. And then it's like they, they just disappear. And then it's 30 minutes of Mad Scientist. Gene Simmons. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we, can, we can get to that. I don't understand how he walks in those things. But yeah, it's not menacing well, no, he's, at all. He's taller than the roller coaster in the opening credits. <laughs> yeah. <you know>. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then it's like 30 minutes of Mad Scientist in his lair and the girl walking around just asking people where her boyfriend is. I mean, that's literally the first 30 minutes. And then the oh, Mad a barbershop quartet. You've got a barbershop quartet in your Kiss movie because that's what the Kiss fans want. <laughs> exactly. You know, a barbershop. What has she got that the others have not? It must be that look in her eyes. He must be old. He listens to barbershop. Yeah. Well, that's just it. It's like uh, the, the mad scientist, his name is Abner Devereaux. And he's talking to the the bean counter dude who wants to 
you know, divert funds for the Kiss show or whatever. And I literally, I, this is part of my notes because he said this so many times in like a 10 minute period where they're talking. He really needs his money for research and development. I need my research and development. I'm at a crucial point in my work. I need my money for research and development. You're not giving me money for research and development. I really need my money for research and development. It's like, that's yeah, literally the first 15 minutes. Lair. He must be getting some cash. I don't know. It's just that I'm upset because it seems I have to beg on my knees for research and development funds. Yeah. With a really fast elevator. Did you see how they worked that in, too? That was awesome. Yeah. When the girl, when the girl yeah. finally finds him uh, and she comes down, it's like, oh, that was really fast. I could have gotten the bends. He's like, not the way I designed it. It's like, oh, God. Yeah. They're like what 30 feet under. you theme park. You've conquered gravity. <laughs> yeah. They're like 30 feet underground. It's, come on, man. Yeah, so. but his, his methods of abducting people, the, the assholes he abducts are abducted in the slowest, most boring way possible. <laughs> yeah, it's like yeah. Right? time filler. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. actually, that's the point where I started thinking. Oh, guy runs a theme park. He's got you know higher ambitions and technological know-how. This is you know this is the TV show Westworld. Yeah, it's it's the Westworld origin story. Yeah, yeah. Oh, uh. that I'm sorry. That reminds me of the original point I was trying to make, which is that Kiss certainly doesn't need an origin story because after all of this boring shit, to just have them show up for no reason. And the first thing that really happens is Gene Simmons just yells, Star Child, except, you know, with some dub voice. And then, and then fucking Paul Stanley's, like, star eye makeup is a superpower and, like, shoots a beam for... No explanation whatsoever. This is amazing. My favorite part, too, is that, like, I don't know if you guys did this, but every time Paul Stanley shot that thing out of his eye, I would do in my head the bionic man noise. Because it's exactly the same thing. He's, like, using it like a laser microphone at some point so he could eavesdrop on somebody. But it's like, why is his eyeball able to hear what the people are saying? It's like, come on, man. That's that's an odd choice of organs to hear something with. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So, all right. Well, that's a good that's a good segue into uh, actual kiss as these weird other beings uh, imbued with powers, powers from the talisman. Without the talisman, we don't have our powers. I think is what Paul Stanley said. So, so the basic gist of the band, uh, you've got Gene Simmons is wrong, demon. (laughs) I don't know. So you got Gene Simmons is the demon. Uh, he was like the Kool-Aid man at yeah. one point. Yeah. And he's like, <laughs> yeah. And so he's the, uh, he's the bass player, but they've done something weird to his voice. It's like, you don't hear Gene Simmons actually speak. It's like some re- reverb uh, deal where they make him sound like he's got, I don't know. Uh, oh yeah, they got like a, a phaser and a flanger and stuff on him. Yeah. yeah. Someone who wants power wants to deny us ours. So when he says Star Child, it's supposed to be awe inspiring, and it's like, wait, is there something wrong with my sound? There's uh, no way Star Child is Gene Simmons' actual voice. <laughs> and his uh, his big power was what? He could blow fire, right? Well, he was, that was a like, demon, I guess. Yeah. And, and then walk through. Well, no, that's the robot guy. Who, <laughs> yeah, the robot yeah, yeah. was Kool-Aid man, actually. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. And How, then, who uh, could tell? Yeah, who could tell? And then you got Paul Stanley is Star Child. And he's the only one actually speaking in his regular Bronx accent in this thing, uh, as far as and I can tell. And you know who 
The funny thing is, this is where I realized he really sounds like Goliath from Davy and Goliath. <laughs> What's the matter, Davy? Exactly. Uh, they, they, yeah, they only the only one of them that gets referred to by their actual name is Gene, who is sometimes called Demon and yeah. sometimes called Gene. Everybody uh, else, this is just Star Child, Star Child, or uh, Catman, like, Catman. Say, 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 Spaceman. Yeah. So, Catman is Peter Chris, and I, I don't understand. really is Space Ace. Yeah. I don't understand and what Peter... I, don't, I, I think it was a mistake to not just call him Demon, because there is nothing... You know, Demon, that's, like, very scary and has a lot of gravitas. There is no gravitas to the name Gene. Gene. I mean, I think it just yep. ruins everything when they say <laughs> Gene. Gene. Well, what is, a, what is the Catman power? That one, what I couldn't, I can't remember now. Drumming, I yeah, think. the power of drumming. Uh, yeah, yeah, I got nothing. Yeah, and then <laughs> and then spaceman could do like energy he bolts or something. He could jump really high. Yeah, like, he could do gymnastics. They could, they could all karate. I I gotta say, <laughs> yeah! had the fight with the mechanical monkeys or whatever on the yeah. roller coaster. Yeah, I was like, this is fun. I'm no 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 kidding. This is absolutely awesome the well, idea that these four guys are doing this goofy shit and i loved yeah. it i uh, just loved it i okay i i i had the exact opposite reaction reaction was all right this is disco gymnastics fighting with robot werewolves and it's boring like there's sparks flying <laughs> what are you talking about you had gene simmons like with new eyes man yeah you had gene simmons like <laughs> clomping around in those moon boots and looking like he was not ready to fall over every time and then he like people people like punching him and not doing a thing and he just like would like push them slightly and they would fly 100 feet there was, <laughs> it was very like, well stage. i'm gonna say that phrase again because that sounds awesome right disco gymnastics fight with robot werewolves yeah. versus kiss that should be amazing and i don't know <laughs> well wasn't there the, you know it sold I, it for I me liked the, um, go ahead eric no, the beginning of that whole sequence when they walk up to the roller coaster and it's it's I, I, it's very lovingly shot this profile of the four of them looking at the the roller coaster and the way it's lit and everything. I was like, this is just like the Warriors. They're walking into. <laughs> the, I I think they had like really high ideas for what they were gonna do. Yeah. It's just when they had to apply effects that you know were done on a shoestring with the help of Hanna Barbera. That's yeah. where it <laughs> fell apart. But well, I, I honestly would love to see <laughs> what movie they had in their heads. Yeah. Well, it's funny you bring up the Warriors because this is the sidebar trivia. The biker dude that the mad scientist kidnaps and turns into a, a robot is wearing a jacket. And it's one of the gangs from the Warriors uh, a couple years hmm. later. It's, I don't hmm. know how that prop ended up. But yeah, so I read that somewhere. Hmm. But, the, but the werewolf fight, what sold it for me was when they're sitting there in front of the roller coaster and you're getting a sense that something is about to happen. And then the backbeat for New York groove starts to kick in. Uh, and then by the time the fight is happening, you're getting this random song from a extremely solo album back, back in the New York groove. Okay, wait, wait. So this is this is why it was different for you. Okay, you watch the European version. 
which had more Kiss music. I, I thought the version I, I watched oh. was the U.S. version. It was just cheesy '70s TV show <laughs> disco music. And yeah, that's nice. true. And I'm that. Okay. And and it's throughout the movie too. Like this, just this really bad '70s TV music. And I'm like, oh yeah, the Kiss fans are in for this shit, you know. Well, Bring let me back tell that you, barbershop Brian. quartet. <laughs> yeah, let me tell you. When they fight the werewolves in the European version, that is apparently more more than you bargained for. Uh, you get New York Groove as the back song to the fight. Oh yeah, not even close. No, I have to. I'll I'll play what's in the American version here because oh my no, god, they, they, yeah. That music appears in the European one when a uh, robot demon breaks through the wall and has the fight, <laughs> which, which yeah. was like a really wonderfully surreal moment, except it had Hanna-Barbera Scooby-Doo-like music. Yeah. Yeah, and that's that's the re- that's the show I saw was mostly Hanna-Barbera yeah. music. Okay, well, I, so wait, I want to I go back to that, though. So the demon breaks out and does all this shit, and then like in the next scene... Like Kiss is sitting around on lifeguard chairs with with robes over robes their heads. Yeah. Didn't you all think that it was the robot demon in that scene? <laughs> yeah, it really wasn't. Except clear. it wasn't. Yeah, it really wasn't <laughs> clear at all. I'm like, oh, then where? What happened to Gene? Uh, yeah, yeah. So I uh, had to take a piss. Yeah, I was out <laughs> having sex. <laughs> but that's where you get like some really good dialogue too from from Peter Chris, where it's the overdub. And then after the movie, I read that it's uh, I think the voice actor's name is Michael Bell, who would later yeah. go on to voice the Smurfs and yeah. Duke from GI Joe and stuff like that. And then once I <laughs> once I learned that, I'm like, that's all I can hear in my head now. So if I ever see this thing again, I'm just gonna think Gargamel is Peter Chris. Also, as originally scripted, the only line Ace Freely had was, Ack! He was just going to keep saying that the whole time. Ack! And (laughs) he he got pissed. He was like, how come I don't have any lines? I'm as important as those guys. It's basically what broke up the band, is him always going, I'm just as important as those guys. Uh, And they were like, asshole, when we came to meet all of you to find out how you talk so we could write the script, all you would say is, Ack. We assumed that's what you wanted us to do because because Ace Freely is a fucking idiot. He was yeah. He he's was like he's like the curly Ack. of the Larry Moe and Curly of this batch, right? Beethoven's like, fifth. <laughs> yeah, it did. It did definitely. Yeah, have some sort of actually it would have been kind of cool if he if he was a Harpo character who just yeah. said Ack and they knew it. It'd be an early I am Groot. But lo, let's follow this this uh, thread though, because if you think about it, it really is sort of subconsciously modeled on some sort of weird Marx Brothers adventure. Because you've got, yeah. uh, I would say, Gene maybe is the uh, the Groucho character. Well, okay, I mean, I, I okay, I will, I will, I grant you, but I only in you. as much as uh, a Hard Day's Night really was modeled on uh, a, a Marx Brothers comedy well, and well, this was as, just modeled on with the model of the marx brothers well movie. as we've stated it's hard day's night meets star wars and i think it's admirable that they tried um they didn't try at all <laughs> that's the problem <laughs> well that's the thing is apparently kiss just didn't give a shit i mean they were tired a couple of them were just drunk and stoned all of the time 
and it makes it difficult. I mean, it's sort of like if you're trying to make a real movie with Spinal Tap. You know what I mean? It's just right. things are going to fuck up. And so I think it's the problem. I think it's actually funny that they they were basically some their management team just came to them and said, "This is how we get to the next level," and they just shrugged and went, "Okay, yeah, okay." I mean, yeah. it's not like they were in the movie business. Yeah, you know, I mean, the- they, they shouldn't have to care. <laughs> bring the on the bags of producing cash. it should have. Yeah, but it's just they look bored, and then I like the the scene towards the end, the big fight where Ace Fraley just had never showed up. And so they had to get his stunt double and he's a black guy that they put the makeup on <laughs> and they don't even bother to cover up the continuity mistake. I mean, it's just by the end, they just didn't give a shit. I mean, it's just, Oh, come on, let's get this by, done by the end. Well, have you noticed that? <laughs> have you noticed though, that like in the movie, they perform three times yeah. and for all three shows, the audience is wearing the exact same clothing. Ooh, maybe they were automatons. Oh, I didn't think of that. Maybe that wasn't, maybe that was (laughs) a a feature, not a bug. Yeah. 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 Well, I read some thread that somebody brought up the fact, it's like, well, if you've got the the ability to create replicas of anybody, why didn't they just create replicas of Kiss to play the show to begin with? Uh, And then I'm thinking, well, you can't really do that because... Because then you the real superheroes, which (laughs) are the KISS management and legal team. I mean, they're they're worse than Scientology in 1978. Uh, But yeah, I I love it when they get captured and when they bring on the bad KISS. And then they're basically just the real kiss is standing in the corner on a on the riser, and they've just done the cartoon lines to represent the laser bars of the cage, <laughs> and they're frantically trying not to move past it. You could tell like someone on stage is just like, okay, this is your line, don't go past this line, whatever, just this is it, don't move. And so they're just standing there really stiffly talking their dialogue. And it's just so painful to watch. <laughs> so and then that they use your plan all along. <laughs> and then they use their mind powers to like transport the the talismans from the table over to the uh, the laser cage, and then they go on stage and have a fight with themselves. I mean, it's just none of, none of this makes sense. This is just a bunch of bug fuckery, as far as I can tell. You know, <laughs> it's so great this- though. Come on, it is so great. <laughs> this is hey, just not sequiturs. They, they they shot it at uh, Magic Mountain, and there's a scene where the octopus ride at Magic Mountain is malfunctioning, and everyone's in danger, and then it just ends, like, with no resolution. I assume that all the people <laughs> yeah. on that ride died. Yeah. And then there's another point where Kiss just decides to take a break and sits down on a carousel. Well, no, you know, no, they, they sit on a carousel, and then you get, you get another song. I don't know if the American version has the song, but the European version, you get to hear Man of a Thousand Faces. So there. Yeah, no, I think they just yeah. sat on the carousel for no fucking reason at all. <laughs> oh, good Lord. That's some talent right there. Take a break. Take five, guys. We're just going to shoot this. Uh, hey, hey, is there a part in the script where we can play Beth? Because that's really the, like, one of three <laughs> exactly. songs anybody really knows from Kiss. And I, and I asked you guys this question because I really couldn't figure it out. And uh, I liked your answers. Uh, but why in the hell is is Peter Chris singing a song called Beth to a girl whose name is not Beth. I mean, it yeah. just that doesn't make any sense, like the rest of it, but that especially doesn't make sense to me. That might be part of our 21st century sensibility where we've watched so many movies where the music cues are right on the nose that we go, how come this one isn't too? 
guess. Or the way they've I'm got not it. Sure stage why he's to... singing at all, though, to tell you the truth. I mean, yeah. he's well, the no, I'm, I'm sticking to my line, which is that the song Beth is, you know, yeah, it's about I'm on the road and, and what, what can I do, you know, to the girl he's left behind at home. But really, it's just about convincing the chick he's going to fuck tonight that he's got sensitive feelings and he'll he'll be a good lay. And that's hey. all he's doing to this girl. That's, yeah. That, it's very, it's the most kissed thing in the whole movie, as far as I can tell. <laughs> the only thing that would have made it better is if maybe they'd have sung Christine 16, uh, just to add a little oomph to it. You know what I mean? Because it just doesn't no. make, it doesn't is work. Is a kiss song? Yeah, it's basically... Is that, is that uh, a song that... Oh yeah, that's fun. Uh, that's funny. The director kept referring to them as the kiss. The, the kiss. Yeah. Yeah. As you do. As you do. Uh, I do. They suck. <laughs> so yeah, and then you get to the like the con- the second concert, and then they're singing like "Shout It Out Loud" or something. I don't, every time they played a Kiss song, all I could think of like a, like a Scooby Doo when they would play the song, and then they would do the montage <laughs> of them. You know what I mean? It's yeah. like that's what yeah. they needed. Uh, it's just they sorry. Did end you made two Scooby Doo references. Yeah. They did end up being yeah. in a Scooby Doo cartoon or two. Yeah, they. But yeah, that that's actually true, isn't it? They yeah. were yeah. in. Yeah, I saw I saw a comic online uh, this this week where it was just Shaggy from Scooby Doo with his head like planted on the desk and you know just exhaustion and despair. It's like after all this time, I realized there are monsters. And they're all old white dudes who just need to take more stuff from everybody else. <laughs> Zoinks! What? <laughs> it's the plot of every Scooby-Doo cartoon, isn't it? Yeah. The, the monsters uh, are always an old white dude that's trying to steal stuff. Well, in, in prep for this, I did actually watch some clips from that thing. Uh, Scooby-Doo and Kiss uh, Rock and Roll Mystery oh, is the name of, of it. Of course you did. <laughs> well, I didn't watch the whole thing because I'm not paying for that. No not with money anyway. But they show the very end when you find when they they pull the mask and you find out who it is and it's literally it's set in an amusement park that's kiss themed. Uh so they just took everything from <laughs> Phantom of the Park and they just cranked it to 11 and then made it actually better. And it's a cartoon, huh. man. But basically yeah, it's set in a kiss theme park and then there's some sort of mad witch who's trying to steal a diamond or something. I don't know. Uh, but at the very end, when you when they solve the crime and you unmask it, uh, when they're taking the culprit off in chains or whatever, they actually say, "I would have gotten away with it too if it wasn't for you, darn kiss." Oh, <laughs> and well then I'm like, played. "Oh God!" Well I'm done. Like, it, yeah, it took them almost twenty years to come uh. up with that joke. <laughs> oh God! <laughs> so yeah, you dodged a bullet. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, that's that's great. So what what was your uh, what was oh, your favorite moment in this wait, movie? Wait, wait, before we go there though, I gotta I gotta address the ending. They okay. the the girl is talking to the mad professor saying, yes. Please let my boyfriend go and Kiss comes running in having beaten up like like uh, Nega Kiss and <laughs> Nega Kiss they, Nega Kiss they, 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 he can't hear you. And they free the guy, the boyfriend by like, you know, smashing, the, I don't know, star eye lasering the chip in his neck. It's yeah. all very contrived, but then they say, he can't hear you. I'm afraid. And they show the professor and he's old and I yeah. think dead. And then they show the professor. Are they trying to say the professor was a robot himself? 
yeah, I couldn't figure it out. But I think basically, they were, yeah. But it, they tried doing it with stock footage, like they knew their their original <laughs> ending didn't make any fucking sense yeah, either. I, so I felt like it was a weird Inception sort of ending. You know, he's like I, waiting for the the top to spin to its final uh, what end. Well, what, you know what I mean. What confused me was it was uncharacteristically subtle, given everything else that's happened. <laughs> well, they didn't that- just write out and say, "Why is he so old?" Oh, probably because he was a robot the entire time. Ack. Ack. <laughs> <laughs> well, and then that scene is uh, fun too because it's you go through all this stuff with the girl who basically spends the entire thing going, have you seen Jeff? Where's Jeff? Oh, tell me where Jeff is. And then you get to it. And then she has this weird, like psychotic break where she just screaming angrily to free her boyfriend. I mean, it's like this on the verge of tears, like this is the Emmy moment. And then they drop it and go right into that weird. Oh, he's a, he's a dead robot. I mean, it's just none of it makes sense. I'm still confused, yeah. honestly. Uh, so you you wait 30 minutes, you don't do any kiss, and then you give them 40 minutes of them uh, romping around like the Marx Brothers. Uh, I think it's it's just a testament to the staying power of Kiss that this did not kill their career. You know what I mean? At all, I think I think it was awesome. <laughs> well, it was it was the uh, I fucking the, loved it. Well, it was the second highest rated TV movie of the year behind Shogun. Yeah. I read, and Shogun got a, five nights. Yeah, it's astonishing. It's astonishing. Shogun was uh, ten wow. goddamn hours long. Yeah. Okay, so what was your favorite and, part? And and they and, oh yeah they and they both had uh, ninja warriors, didn't they? They did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, so my favorite part, hopefully if I've if I've done the edit the way I would like to, uh you've been listening to my favorite part throughout the show. It's all of the evil dialogue given by the doctor in all of his menacing glory. <laughs> I will destroy you, all of you, and kiss will be my instrument. Lines like that. I will destroy you. All of you. And you you kiss will be my instrument! Your redemption is complete. I'll make good Americans of you yet. I may be outnumbered, but I am not outman. <laughs> swear I will work again! See? I'm not a complete asshole. Look yeah. what I'm doing with this awful shit. And I need my money for research and development. You were supposed to give me my money for research and development. I need my uh, funds for research and development. <laughs> so, okay. Uh, Conversely, yeah. my favorite moment was any time uh, uh, Peter Stanley, uh, uh, Paul Stanley, Stanley? Yeah, Paul, Paul Stanley. Stanley. Am I yeah. saying it right? I feel it feels weird. You are. Just say but, Star uh, Child. Just say Star Child. It always... No, uh, it feels weird having Paul Stanley in your mouth, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's, like every time he had something to say i was like oh yeah say something else because that's fucking hilarious <laughs> I, I like that years later he actually performed phantom of the opera on broadway yeah. <laughs> it's like come on man <laughs> i'm a phantom I'm, of the opera f- of the opera <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh look at me <laughs> yeah Chris, what was your favorite? Uh, besides the end, 
uh, I think my favorite part was actually when they come back at the 30-some-odd-minute mark, and it's just that crazy introduction where they're flying around in the ether, and then, like, Paul Stanley shoots the eyeball laser, or as it Star Child shoots in something, and then I think as Paul Stanley, like, struts down the the laser track and, like, raises his arms. Like, this is some sort of light show going on for the crowd. <laughs> it's just so, it's so ridiculous. It's like, it doesn't have any grounding in anything that has come before what we have seen. It just shows up. I mean, it's like, holy crap. Uh, but to their credit, they kept the crazy from that point to the end. So I got to give them that. I will. I will say that it does escalate, and there is acrobatic ninja fighting against robot werewolves with sparks and kiss fighting kiss. Yeah. So that yeah, yeah, it got better. And heads oh. getting ripped off. And another yeah, another runner good. up great moment uh, is just in the opening titles. You know, while they're rocketing and also rolling all night. Uh, all night is long. The, the, this is the height of the special effects in this movie with them sitting in a bumper car projection <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. of, yeah. of the park as someone's like walking backwards away through the, the, the winding pathway of the park and they have the cart so that it poorly looks like it's driving through the park. <laughs> yeah, it's, just, it's like Croft Superstars wow. level of special effects at, at yes. that moment. Yes. Oh, uh, it's like well, that, Star Wars. And the thing is, they yeah. showed them, they showed the cart before that not going through the path. It was just a cart. And then they did the thing with the, so it's like they already gave away their trick by saying, but, you know, oh, yeah, yeah, we're, we're going through this path, but we're not <laughs> yeah. really, of yeah. course, because you've been watching. It's the talismans. It's the talismans. Yeah. <laughs> so, they wow. should sell those talismans in a cookie, as cookies yeah. in a box, yeah. you know, just exactly. you can eat the kiss. They probably did. What, who am I kidding? Yeah. I'm Don't pretty sure them. that ray gun that he was using <laughs> was a prop on uh, Buck Rogers in the 25th century. Probably. Equal, equal to the production value, at least. Yeah. Well, here's a fun exercise uh, that we can wind up with, because it also got me thinking about... Uh, because of Hard Day's Night, etc., how how bands that do movies never pull it off, really. I don't think, apart from like Hard Day's Night or Help uh, with the Beatles, I don't think I've ever really seen anything that worked when you put head. a band in a movie. I would say I, Head works as a head film. Okay. No, the Monkees. No. No, yeah, that's sucks. still a tough sell for me, because it's not... Eh, it's not do, consistent. We're only... We're only talking plot-driven films, right? Well, just, oh. yeah, if you just do, like, uh, like take the band and put them in some sort of movie with a storyline kind of thing. Like, Herman's yeah. Hermits did Mrs. Brown, You Got a Lovely Daughter, and that sort of thing. And it's basically just them romping around as a, as a band trying to make a living. Uh, I think Slade made one called Flame, where that was really plot-driven, where they basically showed the ins and outs of the rise to stardom. Uh, and that's kind of a, a weird one because it's not a rollick romp. I mean, it's just it's a straight up. This this kind of sucks. This business. Well, what about uh, Tommy? Or is Tommy just a very long music video? I think that's a music video. Uh, but yeah, what best it, what, I got is uh, Purple Rain. Purple Rain. Purple, Purple Rain. Purple Rain. Yeah. Purple yep. Rain. Okay. Okay. Score. I know Eric doesn't like that one, but we'll. I just don't like Prince. Yeah. I'm the only person in the world who doesn't, so I don't feel bad saying it. <laughs> yeah, it's all right. 
But the thing that got me was that this came out the same year, 1978, the same month even. Uh, and it's probably why I don't remember seeing Kiss Meets the Family Park, because uh, I think I went and saw the movie in the theater instead, was the Donnie and Marie going coconuts. Oh, which is, Jesus Christ. <laughs> which, which is them Whoa. romping around Hawaii uh, with some necklace that Marie got and some crooks won it. And it's just, yeah, it's not any good. Uh, but that was literally the same time <laughs> as Kiss. Did you say something about a theater? Like you saw that in one? Yeah, I, saw, I, I think my mom took me to see it in the theater. Oh. Going coconuts. I'm just going to say, she's a little bit country, he's a little bit rock and roll. And, and they're true. both fucking. <laughs> uh, and I think that's wrong. Because uh, they're then brother got, and sister, yeah. that Donnie and Marie. Yeah, but then as a final exercise, I want to point this, I want to throw this at you. This is your third uh, final exercise on yeah. this episode. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, I can't shoehorn it into anything else that we're going to do somewhere down the line, so it's yeah, just going to have to be on. here. Chris just wants to rock and roll all night. All night. And and but does he want to party every, every day? <laughs> yeah. So, if you could make another movie like this from the era... Like, just pretend this one didn't exist. Uh, what band of the time would you cast and make a movie uh, around? Casey and, and the Sunshine in- Band. Okay, that's Casey a good one. Casey and the Sunshine Band. Just, just <laughs> yeah. that's it. Yeah. Would you would you and, keep the uh, the the mad scientist animatronic creepy thing? Uh, yeah. Yeah, okay. but I would I would actually have it uh, be Casey uh, trying to basically teach the world that love and disco are not going anywhere, and they convince <laughs> the, the scientists. You know, I yeah. was wrong. You yeah. and your sunshine band are okay with me. And then at some point, does Casey just go, "Hold on a second, I'm gonna put on my 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 boogie shoes," and then have the number? Yeah. Sure. <laughs> well, I haven't thought it out that um, well. I only yeah. just came up with this, but that's fine. What about you, but, Brian? Well, who but would then you again, God. that's the way. Uh huh. Uh huh. Uh huh. I like it. Uh huh. Uh huh. I'm gonna say um, Abba. I'd like uh, to see yeah, Abba. That was, that was uh, my Joe fighting yeah. robot Abbas. I would love yeah. to see ro- like the robot Rabbas. versions of Abba uh, singing. Uh, like Fernando, you know what I mean? It's just. Oh wait, no, no! I retract my Abba and I substitute the village people. Sorry, <laughs> that was my number two choice. It's like you read my mind, man. <laughs> <laughs> I oh. I do love the idea though of the animatronic Abba, like walking through the park with submachine guns and just shooting people to. I've been waiting on you since I... Or, yeah, or like uh, the village people doing YMCA, and then when they do the letters, like the power rays shoot out of their hands or something. <laughs> I mean, it's just, it's no more stupid than the Kiss movie, let's be real. Yeah, with that, when the horns just... Beow, 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 beow. Yeah. <laughs> people do do a movie, yeah, and... Uh, I think I think I think next time we do an awful retrospective of the seventies. <laughs> well, they actually came out in nineteen eighty. It's called Can't Stop the Music, and it stars Valerie Perrine and uh, uh, who's the dude? Uh, I can't remember now. But yeah, Why did they I did do a this movie podcast. What am I thinking? <laughs> Jesus, <laughs> uh, So, final thoughts on Kiss Meets the Phantom of the Park meets something. 
Well, I'll tell you, it's no Gregorian chant music. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) I mean, Pirates of the Penzance, maybe, but but definitely uh, not a kazoo choir. Well, I'll just leave you with this rhetorical question. (laughs) He knows I'm going to go find all of that shit. Now we're going to put it on the other side. (laughs) There's a kazoo choir coming. Oh my god. Well, that just leaves one final question. Beth, what can I do? You can end the podcast already. Well, that about wraps up another thrilling episode of the Magnificently Huge Podcast. We want to thank you for stopping by and spending your time with us today. We know you've got many podcast choices, and this is but one of them. Uh, So hopefully you were entertained, because we sure had fun being entertaining to each other, and uh, hopefully that comes through. But if you uh, like what you hear, send us an email to magnificentlyhuge at gmail.com. We always like to get feedback, suggestions, uh, whatever. Just uh, let us know you're out there, and uh, we may uh, use your email on the air and give you a heads up. It's what we do. Uh, you can also head over to our Twitter page, at MagHuge. Uh, like the show there. Follow along, give us thumbs up on everything, and share us around. Uh, that's also possible on Facebook, at Magnusly Huge Podcast. Uh, we're also on Instagram, etc. And then, obviously, wherever podcasts are purveyed. Lastly, head on over to our website, maghuge.com. You'll find show links. You'll find contact information. All the fun that we pack into these episodes uh, weekly. Thanks. Okay. We'll talk to you later. Bye-bye. This has been a Magnificently Huge Podcast.